Hello and welcome to Surveyor Says, the podcast from the National Society of Professional Surveyors. Each week, we bring you fascinating guests that are involved in the profession of surveying. We cover a lot of ground, including table lay talk with Gary Kent, point of order with the NSPS Joint Government Affairs Team, future focus, highlighting current and future leaders of the profession, and everything survey-related in between. Thanks for joining us here on the podcast and hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Surveyor Says. Hello and welcome to another episode of Surveyor Says. This is Tim Birch and thought we would catch up on some legislative things going on today because we are just coming off of our annual uh, Joint Government Affairs Committee meeting uh, with our esteemed team, Pat Smith, the chairman, uh, Kurt Sumner, or the, the director emeritus was in with us. And then of course, we have our wonderful legislative team uh, of John Palatiello and John J.B. Bird, uh, with a, actually with Paul Miller, uh, John, one of John's partners popped in for a few things just to kind of talk about some stuff. We met at, uh, at John's office a uh, few, few days ago really like laid out the, the plans for what 2022 is going to to uh, entail. We're still in somewhat of a, a, not really a lockdown, but we're still limited on what we can lobby and things we can do. But um, so decided to invite John on just to say, John, what did you think of last week's meeting and, and such? But I guess first we better start with, uh, you know, for those who don't know you, which I don't know how that's possible, but we'll see. Uh, who is John and, and uh, where, what company are you with? I mean, what 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 is your and especially your various association positions right now? Well, thanks, Tim. I appreciate you having me. And uh, I'm John Palatiello. Uh, I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a granddad. Uh, <laughs> Good. For, got priorities up there first. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I have the distinct pleasure of being the uh, federal government affairs consultant to NSPS. And uh, on my team is John Bird, who's the registered lobbyist for NSPS. And uh, we do our best to represent the interests of the surveying profession and uh, the NSPS membership before Congress and federal agencies. We do help NSPS a little bit with uh, state legislation as well, although that's obviously the, the primary responsibility of our state affiliates. But we try to lend some support in that as well. Um, I have spent uh, almost my entire adult career working with the surveying, mapping, geospatial community. I um, have a degree in political science. I started my career as a very young uh, aide to a member of Congress. I worked on Capitol Hill for about seven years. And then in 1982, I was hired by the old American Congress on Surveying and Mapping, ACSM, the predecessor to NSPS. Of course, NSPS was part of ACSM under its own structure. Um, and I was uh, brought in to be the first government affairs director for what was then a joint program. You mentioned the Joint Government Affairs Committee. We still, some folks use that name. And the origin of that is our go Joint Government Affairs Committee was joint between ACSM and ASP, as it was known in those days, the American Society for Photogrammetry, later and now ASPRS. 
In the early 80s, for those who are newer to the profession, there was an effort to merge the two organizations. We called it a consolidation. And uh, one of the bridges to that consolidation was the establishment of a joint government affairs program. And I was brought on board uh, to lead that. The um, consolidation was not approved by the membership. The two organizations sort of went their separate ways. But uh, I stayed with the, the surveying and mapping community for uh, 40 years now. It's hard to believe. Mm. Um, as a representative of, uh, of ACSM for a period of time, and then um, I uh, did a 30-year tour of duty as the executive director of MAPS, the uh, trade association of photogrammetry and geospatial firms. And... Uh, my involvement in the community just deepened. I've been the administrator of COFPACE, of which NSPS is a member for, for many years now. That's the organization that preserves, protects, defends, and promotes uh, the Brooks Act qualifications-based selection in federal procurement. Um, and then today, uh, my duties also include um, being the president of a group called USGO, US Geospatial Executives Organization, which is a group of about, right now, about 25 CEOs of um, leading uh, surveying and geospatial firms. I'm the Executive Director of the Subsurface Utility Engineering, or SUE Association. And uh, our firm uh, also manages the Maryland Society of Surveyors, the Virginia Association of Surveyors, and the Pennsylvania Society of land surveyors. So I have a leading role as executive director of those three organizations. So um, I've had a very rewarding career on the association management side of the surveying profession. Well, I guess I want to, I want to back up a little bit because I'm curious with the political science degree, I guess what, you know, as, as a, as a young adult growing up, getting this degree, what, I guess what drove you to to be into this legislative world and, and association management? I mean, what uh, we all have our stories of what enticed us into our careers. I guess what would be yours and what pushed you to to towards Capitol Hill? Well, um, I grew up in a family where we sat as a family and had dinner every evening, and we would discuss what back in the day we'd call current events. You know, we'd sit around a table and talk about what was happening in the world. Uh, so that was number one. Uh, number two is, I think my very first job where I earned any money was as a paper boy. And it used to drive <laughs> my mom crazy because I would have to sit there and read the paper before I'd go and deliver it. So I always <laughs> had an interest in what was going on in the world. Um, and then, you know, I kind of did the usual thing in middle school and high school, student council and class president and all of those crazy things. And then I had a wonderful uh, teacher uh, who took a group of uh, about five or six of us young fellows. Um, this was in uh, middle school, uh, what we used to call junior high school. And uh, I grew up in Connecticut and he took a group of us on a, a week long trip down to Philadelphia and to Washington, D.C. to see all the historic sites. And um, we 
went up on Capitol Hill, met with our, our congressman. And uh, that was probably where I first kind of got the bug that, uh, that the, the political science field was, was something that I wanted to pursue. And then um, there was sort of a very, uh, I guess, serendipitous intersection of things that I just always had this um, affinity for, for mapping. And uh, we would go on family vacations and I would sit in the back seat with the paper map and be my dad's navigator. And, uh, and then I remember, uh, boy, to this day, it's a very vivid memory. I think, again, this was middle school, junior high school. Uh, our social studies teacher was trying to teach the class the concept of latitude and longitude, and nobody in the class was getting it except for me. And she kind of threw threw that chalk down on that little trough in front of the blackboard and said, well, John, why don't you get up here and see if you can get through to these? (laughs) And, you know, I got up there and I drew a little grid and said, you know, these are the long lines and these are the vertical lines. So that's longitude and that's latitude. And boom, there's where you are. um, So I just, again, I think it may have been divine providence that, uh, I ended up in the career that I've been in. Well, and I'm, I'm going to make this comment and for some of our listeners that, that maybe don't have as many uh, uh, gray hairs as us. I'm picturing you as you are the role model for Alex Keaton on Family Ties. <laughs> and that was just uh, your affinity. Um, for those who don't remember that, Michael J. Fox, basically his career start. I mean, that was a, it was a great show and Michael had a great character and that's what I'm picturing a young John as Alex B. Keaton. And, uh, uh, I think it fits, but, uh, okay. So you get started in DC in the early eighties, uh, I mean, Reagan administration, uh, prior to GPS. I mean, like you said, you had this affinity for mapping, but this is prior to GPS and, you know, I'm going to say that it, that for the most part, surveying wasn't that professional at the time. I'll be honest. Um, you might differ, but um, I guess where was where was the organization at that point in time, and how did it play into politics versus how it's kind of evolved into today? Well, first of all, I would respectfully disagree or take a little different take uh, on your your comment. I, I think survey sure. has always been recognized as professional. It certainly was not as high tech in those days as it is today, but certainly professional. But uh, when I was hired, um, Tim, my first task, what, what, what they told me, uh, the leaders of ACSM and ASP at the time, what they said was, the goal of this government affairs program is to promote and assure professional recognition of surveyors and cartographers and photogrammetrists. And uh, so we embarked on both a proactive, offensive legislative and political strategy, but also one of defense, making sure that bad things didn't happen. Um, And what actually caused my program to be created was 50 years ago this year, 1972, the Brooks Act was passed into law. Everything was fine. And then in the late 70s, there were two bid protest decisions that said, no, 
Brooks Act does not apply to surveying and mapping. So that was mm. sort of a a uh, a reduction or or um, a setback for the professional status of surveying. And then um, there was a very controversial piece of legislation that passed in the 1970s called the Surface Mining Act. And um, uh, without going into a long story, at the very last moment before that bill passed into law, over the veto of then President Ford, the bill was changed. It required uh, cross sections and maps of plans for surface mining. And at the last minute, the Congress said that those plans and maps should be certified by a professional engineer or a geologist. Um, that overrode state licensing law that said that those are tasks of a professional surveyor. Mm. So those were two examples of where not having a government affairs program, not having a seat at the table, not having a voice in Congress really hurt the surveying profession. So that is what caused the uh, ACSM at the time to start a government affairs program. Um, and then a couple of years later to uh, bring it uh, in-house, create a position, create a joint program with, uh, with ASP. So, um, it's to me, nobody has said, hey, John, you can stop seeking professional recognition for surveyors. So that's really been my my mission statement uh, for all these years. And I, I love uh, continuing to do that. And um, I, I think we've had uh, quite a bit of success over the years in, uh, in at least getting the laws of our land to recognize surveying as a professional service. Sure. Well, and I do appreciate you disagreeing with me on the the lack of professionalism then because <laughs> bottom line is that uh, i guess i'm you know i'm from my not necessarily my perspective i think the overall perspective from the public a lot of times especially early on when it was just guys on the side of the road taking pictures um it's nice to know that uh you know even you know throughout your career that you've you've seen and held our profession to a higher standard, and and I I personally appreciate that that uh, uh, that means a lot to me that 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 we we do see this profession as uh, an honored career. So I guess you know I guess going from getting your start during the Reagan administration through several administrations through GPS and a lot more technology and uh, you know even the, the even the the technology as you know as your uh, with your time at Maps. I mean, what what did you see changing in the legislation and being? Uh, I guess my question is not so much we can't just legislate the tools. I mean, the tools are the tools. It's still the activities that are being done by the professional. How did the technology try to sway or uh, uh, really deal with the with the legislation going forward? Well, what I've seen is. Um somewhat of an evolution, but in some respects, a revolution. And that is that um, particularly, I would say over the last five or 10 years, as a new younger generation of members of Congress uh, come into office, they're much more aware of geospatial data. I think the, um, the introduction of 
geospatial data as a consumer product and a consumer service has made our lawmakers and their staffs much more aware of what the potential applications and uses of the data are. So there is a lot of legislation that gets introduced, not only in Congress, but in the state legislatures that recognize and apply what surveyors and, and those in other geospatial disciplines do. It, it was rare for there to be surveying legislation 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago. It's common today. And, mm -hmm. and that's because they're using um, a navigation system in their car, a GPS system in their car on their tablet or their mobile device or their cell phone. Um, I'm very pleasantly, I'm not going to say surprised. I'm very pleased when I hear and JB comes back and said, well, I met a staffer who uh, majored in GIS or took a GIS class in college. Yes. And so when good. you have that kind of, when you have that kind of familiarity with, with the surveying and geospatial profession, on the part of the members of Congress and their staff, then they're more likely to be applying that knowledge to legislation that they're drafting. So we see much more of that today than we did in years past. Sure, sure. Well, and I, the reason I asked the question, I, there's there's several states. Um, me being a, an Illinois resident is one. I was actually on the committee that, that with the technology, with whether it's whether it's photogrammetry and the, the higher power cameras that are there, it's the UAVs, it's, there seemed to be all of a sudden this rush to protecting privacy. And, and the, the reason I bring this up is that it's, it's surveyors are using this technology and now people are up in arms about privacy. But those privacy laws are still, I mean, it, they're still applicable even though the technology's changed. We're using that, using this, this technology for a different reason. But yet there's so there is efforts to shut things down. I guess that's re, what that's the direction I was kind of going that seems like some legislators want to reinvent the wheel looking at stuff when it's really we're talking about the tools and not the people and their responsibility of, of using that data. Well, in response to your earlier question, I was thinking more in terms of the positive and right. how the knowledge of geospatial technology is helping us and creating more opportunities and greater recognition of applications of geospatial technology. In your follow-up question, you raise a very good point. There's also a downside, and that is that there are uh, actors out there who could use data in a way that's harmful to our individual privacy. So that creates another challenge for us to make the distinction between um, you know, do not track um, of the cell phone companies using their tracking capability of where you go and what you do with your device on one hand and creating a GIS, for example, on the other hand, where you're not tracking the person, but you're using an address, you're using a parcel identification number, you're using a map with property data. And if people interpret that as being personally identifiable data or mm -hmm. uh, an invasion of privacy, well, that, that's something we need to explain and we need to make that distinction because by and large, that data 
that the surveyor is applying about a person or their property is right out of public records. We're just using it in a different manner and applying it for other solutions. So we have um, worked very hard to make sure that privacy legislation in Congress does not define personally identifiable data as the type of data and activity that a surveyor is carrying out in their ordinary professional responsibilities. Sure, sure. Well, I guess a little bit on those same lines, you, you just talked about the last five to 10 years and how the legislators have, you know, it's a new generation of legislators that have grown up in a different world and they understand some of these things. Um, I guess from your perspective, I mean, it's obviously important to stay in tune with the way that the younger legislators are thinking. Um, I guess, what are some of the ways that you and JB, uh, I, I shouldn't say get you know stay young and, and stay current. I mean, but uh, obviously, you're, with your staff uh, as young as they are, and 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 being able to do media things and such, um, what are some of the things that 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 you're doing and NSPS should be doing to help stay engaged with these younger legislators? I mean, obviously, we walk into you know that's what I always tell people when we walk into Capitol Hill and you go to into to one of these uh, legislators' offices and how young all the staffers are. You know, most of us are middle-aged, middle-aged uh, white men. And it's, sometimes it's hard to, you know, make that connection. What are some of the things that, you know, that, that you and JB do that to try to help, you know, smooth that over a little bit? Well, uh, to be honest, uh, it's been 17 years now uh, that JB has been with me. That was the reason why I hired him is I needed someone that was more of a contemporary of these staffers because, um, you know, at, at my age, I was realizing that, um, you know, there, there was an age difference. And um, so in, in my line of business and in working um, with the Congress, you need both the, the, the institutional knowledge of a, of a seasoned professional, but you also need younger people who can connect and relate to the staff. And um, JB has an extraordinary network of folks on Capitol Hill that, uh, that he works with. They know him. Um, one of the things that really excites me, um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm always very proud of JB when he'll come into the office and say, hey, I, you know, I had this meeting and this congressman is going to pursue this provision that we've asked him to, to carry for us. But what really gets me as excited is when an unsolicited phone call comes into JB and it's an office saying, hey, we're putting together a bill and we think that there is a need for some geospatial provision or a surveying provision in here. Can you help us draft something? So that's the reputation that he's developed where he's, um, you know, a subject matter expert and he's a known resource. And, oh, exactly. Uh, that's where I think things have changed over the years as well. It's not, it's not just things that we have to initiate and we have to go up on the hill and ask for. It's people coming to NSPS and coming to JB and saying, we need your help on this. We need your insight. We need your expertise. We want to do something with surveying or geospatial 
and and help us draft this this provision. And so that has really changed the uh, sort of the paradigm uh, of lobbying as well. Well, and I, I guess the one thing I appreciate about J, JB and being around him, I'd like to follow him home one of these nights because I think he's tapped into the fountain of youth. I've known him, what, almost 10 years now with you, and the guy doesn't age. I just, I, <laughs> so I, he's got that on his side. But, you know, and, and to, to your point, I guess what I, what I also appreciate about him in talking to him is that he's genuinely excited about a lot of these activities, a lot of these things when he talks to one of the legislators and gets them on board or gets those calls to be included in something. Uh, it's not, it, he's just, like I said, he's genuinely excited and uh, it, it's, it's great to have somebody on the team that's like that. And uh, the, the way you've been able to bring him along and really see him blossom has just been fantastic for NSPS. Well, one of the things that I've observed about the the lobbying and advocacy profession is you have to be passionate about what you're representing. You've got to believe in what you're uh, advocating. And uh, if you don't, it shows. But if you do, it shows as well. And and obviously, JB has that passion and, and believes strongly in the surveyors and believes strongly in what he's doing in advocacy on behalf of surveyors yes he does and it's it's uh well you both are so invaluable to have uh on our team and really pressing for us which we really really appreciate i guess as we wind wind this conversation up a little bit i i guess the, a couple of my last questions are the current political environment in 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 dc and this, I mean, some of this little bit of a youth movement and different different political directions. Um, how can NSPS and our Joint Government Affairs uh, Committee, how can we uh, basically leverage some of these changes and some of these environment uh, challenges to our uh, to our advantage? I mean, do you see do you see ways that we can we can capitalize on what's kind of a chaotic time? Or well, is anything going to get? Or is anything going to get done in D.C. right now? <laughs> you know, things do still get done. Um, yes, there's gridlock. Yes, there's brutal partisanship. Um, but in the end, some things get done. You know, the infrastructure bill is a good example. There was a lot of fighting, a lot of disagreement, a lot of partisanship. Um, you know, there are some there's a lot of garbage in that bill as well, but that there are some good provisions and um, some initiatives and some funding of things that were badly needed in this country. And Congress finally came together and, and got that bill passed. Um, so I'm, I'm an optimist. I'm a realist, but I'm also an optimist. Um, you never know when something's going to break in Congress and a piece of legislation is going to move. So you've got to be engaged. You can't sit back and say, well, that's, that's never going to happen. So I'm not going to be involved. You've got right. to keep after these things because it could happen. And if it does and you're not involved, then you're left on the sidelines. So that's, that's sort of from, from our side, um, day to day in Washington. From the standpoint of the individual NSPS member, um, for 
all of its blemishes and all of the problems and all the criticisms, we still have the greatest system of lawmaking ever known to mankind. And the, the beauty of that process is that ultimately our elected representatives have to face the voters. So they do have to be responsive and they do want to hear from their constituents. They want to know how legislation is going to impact them. So it is still, um, I know it's frustrating and sometimes you feel like Don Quixote tilting at windmills, but it is still important for every surveyor in America to get to know their congressman, to communicate with their congressman, let them know um, about surveying and let them know about legislation that, that impacts not only surveying, but the clients, the, the public uh, health, safety, and welfare, the reason why surveyors are licensed. Uh, so that's number one, is communicating. And when, when a call comes out from an SPS, I would hope that every NSPS member would respond and pick up the phone or sit down and write an email and communicate with their member of Congress. Number two, you mentioned before about this perception about, well, the surveyor is that guy on the side of the road taking pictures and looking through this instrument. One of the things that I think has just been great over the years that I've been involved in is getting a member of Congress to come and visit a surveying office or a photogrammetry office. They love it because I've never heard, I've never met anyone that said, I don't like a map. Everyone loves to look at a map, but they have no idea how they're made. And so when you bring them into a surveying office or a mapping office or a GIS office and say, here's how a map is made, you have a friend for life. And these members of Congress don't forget visiting a surveying or mapping firm. So that's important for the individual NSPS member. And the third is, this is not unethical, this is not illegal, it's not corrupt, it's not um, unprofessional, but there's an old expression that, you know, money is the mother's milk of politics. And so, you know, the individual NSPS member writing a check to the NSPS PAC is so important. It doesn't have to be a big fat cat check. A tw you know, if, if every surveyor in NSPS wrote a check for $25, we would have <laughs> all the yes. resource in the world that we would need to get doors open so that we could make the case and explain what surveying is and how legis legislation impacts surveying and the public. And so um, those are just a couple of things that the individual NSPS member can do to, to help his or her own business, help his or her own profession, and help serve the public to make sure that, that good legislation is passed and that the surveyor has a seat at the table as decisions are being made in public policy. Absolutely. Well, and I, I like your 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 uh, note on supporting the PAC. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, in my opinion, I've I've never been involved in the, in the industry in uh, thirty five plus years that we've ever been this busy, this in demand. Uh, let's be honest. Salaries are rising because of that. People are doing quite well right now, and we need to keep continuing this momentum. But part of that is doing what you're doing, doing the advocacy from uh, that you're you're overseeing what NSPS is pushing. Um, you're right. It does not. Uh, it, it is not that painful to write a check 
to support our pack that gets us to in front of the right people to make sure that that uh, th these conditions can stay and that we can continue to have a great career, great profession um, going forward. So absolutely, I appreciate you touching on that. Okay, so we've got our lobby day coming up in uh, seven, six, seven, eight weeks, and we talked the other day about you know just touch on a couple of things. So. What are the three hot topics that we always choose every year? What are those three hot topics that that NSPS is going to go as far as our our main talking points with Lobby Day? And just a little bit of background on why each of those are are reasons there that the hot topics. Well, you mentioned earlier in this discussion, uh, Tim, that we had a meeting uh, recently in our office, um, which is something that we've done every year since our firm has been representing. And SPS, we we brought in uh, Kurt and um, uh, John Matanich was the first chairman of the committee when we came on board, and Pat Smith since then. And we go through every conceivable issue that could come before Congress that has an impact on serving, whether it's an opportunity or or a threat. And um, we we JB and I get impact input and feedback. Um, from the chairman of the committee and the executive director of NSPS so that we are knowledgeable about these issues and we can uh, speak on, on behalf of NSPS in a, in a uh, accurate and intelligent manner. And um, so we, we did that recently in our office and um, evaluated issues, uh, looked at priorities and sort of um, charted our course for the coming year in government affairs. And out of that process, we, um, we narrowed down issues that, that JB and I will work on on behalf of, of NSPS and then distill them down to here are three issues that would be um, relevant and effective for the members to advocate uh, on lobby day. And so for this year, the three issues that um, we're going to ask our members to discuss on Capitol Hill are number one, reform and reauthorization of the FEMA National Flood Insurance Program and the critical role that surveying and mapping plays in the success of that um, program. We have a very robust set of recommendations. Uh, some of it is in legislation pending before the Congress already. Um, but uh, as professionals in this field, uh, surveyors have some, some very strong opinions and, and expertise on how that program can be improved. So that's, that's the, the first issue. The second is um, uh, on a regular basis, every two years, every four years, Congress will pass what's called a Water Resources Development Act, WRDA, W-R-D-A. That is a legislation that authorizes the civil works program of the Corps of Engineers. And of course, that's um, important to the country for flood control, navigation, recreation, uh, a variety of different uh, missions of the Corps of Engineers. And, and surveying is a very important part of, of that. Um, Unfortunately, we have seen uh, a bit of a oh, demolition, if that's the right word, of the status of surveying in the Corps of Engineers. I remember having a meeting uh, at Corps headquarters many years ago, and um, 
they used to have a wonderful little museum in the first floor. And I was reminded that the original name of that agency was the Corps of Topographic Engineers back in oh, the sure. 1800s, back mm -hmm. in the 1800s. So its foundation is surveying. Um, well, I have friends that I work with in the folks in the Corps of Engineers who I've become friends with over the years who themselves have complained, well, we got to change the name again and call it the Corps of Lawyers. <laughs> because it is so much more run by lawyers and not engineers. And, and these were engineers or surveyors in the core over the years that have said that to me. And um, so the, the role of engineering and the role of surveying, um, not only in headquarters from a policy standpoint, but down at the district level where projects are actually executed, We've seen a bit of, uh, of a decline in the, the role and the status of surveying. So we are putting together some legislative language to go on this year's Water Resources Development Act to uh, scope out or at least encourage the Corps to do a study and to come up with some recommendations that recognize the importance of surveying in their program, in their mission, to make sure that the public is being well served uh, through good professional uh, surveying and mapping services that are an integral part of the Corps' uh, water resource uh, and uh, civil works program. And then uh, finally is the whole issue of occupational licensing. Uh, as you know, Tim, and, and most of our members know, there is a national campaign um, from the political left, the political right. This was something that was carried on in the Obama White House. It was carried on in the Trump White House um, about how excessive some occupational licensing has become. And unfortunately, um, many of the initiatives to reform occupational licensing has been done with a very broad brush. And with all due respect to anyone listening who may be in the hair braiding business, hair braiding and surveying and engineering and architecture are not the same. And the reasons for licensing architects and engineers and surveyors are not the same reasons why you would license hair braiders or florists or people who can buy a casket for your family when someone in your family is deceased, um, there has been abuse of occupational licensing. It has been a barrier to entry. It has been a way to control markets. We're different. Um, licensing of surveyors and other design professionals is all about public health, welfare, and safety. And so we have some draft legislation that um, recognizes that licensing is a state responsibility and not a federal responsibility. But uh, our legislation expresses the sense of Congress that licensure for design professionals um, is in the interest of public health, welfare, and safety, and should not be part of this broader occupational licensing movement. So we have worked with our colleagues in COFPACE, uh, in the other uh, design disciplines, the other design professions, and uh, we think it's important for Congress to make a statement that the design professions are different and that reasonable licensure uh, is in the public interest and should be preserved. 
So those are our three issues uh, for 2022, Tim. No, after spending the day with with uh, the committee at your office, and yes, we've got these three topics that we're talking about for Lobby Day. Um, I am just amazed at all of the things that that uh, you and JB are are basically tasked with trying to watch uh, on our behalf. I mean, it's it's an exhaustive list, and uh, we really appreciate what you do because yeah, there's there's three topics that we're going to help with, but it's a it's a never. It seems like a never-ending battle to to try to stay on top of all of the things that come at the uh, the geospatial and, and surveying professions. So, uh, uh, well, like I said, once again, that just we appreciate everything that you guys do, and uh, it's it's like I said, it seems like a never-ending battle. But uh, you know what? I, I can't think of two better guys and staff to uh, to stay on top of things for us. Well, thank you, Tim. Let me make a couple of points in response to that. Um, sure. On the NSPS website, under Advocacy and Government Affairs, you can click through, and, and twice a year, we file, uh, for each of the NSPS board meetings, we file a very extensive report uh, with the background and status of this entire um, palette of issues that you just mentioned, that um, we're either actively engaged in or tracking and keeping an eye on. So I would uh, commend to the attention of all NSPS members those reports because they're they're actually providing some some good background and actionable intelligence that every member can use in in his or her own practice. Um, it also gives you an idea of some trends and some markets that may be developing and things that Congress or the federal government is doing in legislation or policy that could be creating opportunities down the road for surveyors. And as a corollary to that, we contribute a good bit of the content that goes into every week's edition of News and Views. And one of the things that we try to do, again, is provide a little bit of a forecast of things that may be emerging, things that are happening in Congress today that next month, next week, next year, could result in a program or opportunities um, for surveyors. So that's a valuable benefit of membership in NSPS. And I would encourage our members uh, and our listeners uh, to keep an eye on uh, what's in News and Views and, and use it as sort of part of their market intelligence of what may be coming down the pike. No, that's you're you're right. You're dead on, and we'll include that in the show notes as well. Links to links to those pages because you you hit on it. Uh, it's it amazes me uh, every you know twice a year that uh, this comprehensive report that uh, that you and JP and your staff put out that it's it's amazing all of the things that uh, that 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 you all uh, keep an eye on and you know, keep us abreast of a lot of things and to help forecast things that we need to be, be on the lookout for, because bottom line is, you know, it, Ma and Pa Surveyor out in the, out in the Broadlands, it, they may not think that it, this, a lot of these things are affecting them, uh, but they all do. They really all do. And you're right, is getting that message out and for, for them to know what, what it's, uh, what the profession could be, could be facing in the future. 
All right. Well, John, thank you very much. I appreciate you joining me here today. And uh, actually, we, you know, coming off of we'll be coming off a of lobby day in, in, like I said, a couple of months. Uh, why don't we just plan on we'll plan on uh, joining back up with you and JB, and we'll uh, kind of we'll do a little summary on what happened with uh, with our lobby day efforts and what uh, what future intelligence we need to be looking for as well. It would be my pleasure, Tim. All right. Well, thanks, and. Uh, uh, Stay tuned for some great episodes coming up. Uh, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. You've been listening to the Surveyor Says Podcast, brought to you by the National Society of Professional Surveyors. If you have any questions about today's episode or any other topic, please email us at info at nsps.us.com, and we are here to help. Visit our website, nsps.us.com, to learn more about our association, the programs we administer and support, our sustaining members, and information about future episodes of Surveyor Says. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, as well as our podcast host, Podbean. And remember, it's a great day to be a surveyor. Surveyor.